Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wabo's most second work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Collateral 4.5. So in the end of our last chapter, Rose made a enticing offer to Pauz, and he seems intrigued by this offer. Um, and Rose, you know, as we talked about last chapter, offers him the chance to get close to Conquest and to, uh, you know, latch onto him and, and corrupt him. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong. We've had a few sort of mini cliffhanger things where we've ended a chapter where Blake has made some sort of bold statement or something, and then the next chapter is opened up with the second half of that conversation. And, and unless I'm wrong, all of those have gone terribly for Blake, whereas this is the first time I think we've seen Rose do it, and it went over pretty well. Yeah, I think this actually is the first chapter where we've got some good deals going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and Rose Rose takes the front, and, you know, it's it's actually hard to say how much of that is her and how much of that is um, the the Thorburn name, because, you know, that is ultimately what they sort of pull to, to get yeah, out of it. Yeah, they do we'll, kind we'll of coast that. on that. Um, so there's this fun beat that I think is really interesting here where where Blake says Pig Latin, where Blake speaks in Pig Latin to Rose as kind of a, you know, a bit of a joke even. Yeah. Um, and Powell's, he doesn't seem to understand it. Like, it's such an obvious thing. He says 30 human languages and I don't understand this one. And Blake's <laughs> like, wait, what? Um, well, I like, I like how Blake is specifically like, are you for real? And then, yeah, it's, like, it's who's very just weird. responds um, like, "I am for real." Like, he, he <laughs> he's dead serious. Uh, but it, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's strangely like it's it's quite alien. Um, yeah, like because Pig Latin is is just sort of a joke. Yeah, it's so fun. It's a funny beat, but it's also such a great little way of hinting just how strange Poos is. Yeah, well, it, it really otherizes him because Pig Latin's just this silly little joke that humans can see through pretty quickly, usually, and. It just completely baffles this incredibly powerful <laughs> demon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, they're doing their negotiating. Uh, it's going pretty well. And and Rose basically uh, pulls a Blake. I don't know how <laughs> else to describe it. Um, Rose basically says to Blake, hey, I've got an idea. Back me up. And Blake's like, it, you mm. know, seriously has to. Mm. He hesitates for a while. It takes a while for him to come around. But eventually he finally let's her do something it's great <laughs> yeah what a great moment we'll talk about the hesitation a bit more uh in it a, a little later um yeah but it's interesting that he really only says yes because he knows that he's been the one who's usually doing this like there's not really a point where he thinks oh this is you know the right thing to do or this is good he's just like uh i've kind of been doing this mm. and, and i think we're getting a little glimpse into what rosa's life has been like up until now <laughs> um and more importantly blake is getting one too yeah blake calls out like oh we we're so similar this must be what it's like to work with me (laughs) (laughs) which is great self-awareness from blake yeah i mean you know it's rare that we get to say that no there's a few moments where he sort of starts to notice how similar they are in a lot of ways um and and i don't think it's a coincidence that some of that thinking is starting to come up after she was pulled out of the mirror world for a bit and they were actually equals for a little while yeah um, but I, yes. I like I like this moment. Um, there's also they they they're talking with Poos and um, Blake and Rose is almost just talking amongst themselves how dangerous he is. And then you know he sorts of toot, he sort of toots his own horn a bit too. 
And then we get this weird moment where a family sort of pulls up in their car and all the crows drop like the dead rabbit body on the window of the car, cracking it a bit. And yep. the family just sort of looks freaked out, backs up into their driveway and like scurries into the house. Yeah. And like, uh, like think about this, I'm, uh, this might be reaching, but it was very like prey behavior to me. Mm. Like, like they're acting almost like, like, you know, rabbits and stuff do in, in a lot of things where, you know, they're, They've got the wide eyes and they're like startled and then they, they sort of scurry away. Um, and, and, you know, we've been talking a lot about how, how Powers is um, kind of inverting the natural order. And I think we're just seeing that like all these animals are being aggressive and, and, and doing stuff. And then the humans are just sort of running away and, and looking scared. Yeah, they don't. There's definitely doesn't seem to be either in this chapter or last chapter where we like you know, met some of the other people in this neighborhood, there's no kind of talk of, oh, let's fight back against these animals, you know? It's very much like, oh, the animals are on the show now. Yeah, and they've just sort of accepted it and, and they're sort of slotting into these roles, it sort of looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, It'll be interesting to see what it looks like when Paz kind of binds more to people and kind of starts corrupting people more than animals. Like, will it... Will the Will humans become more aggressive? We kind of see more hints at that. But um, yeah, the, the humans in, in this circumstance are definitely receiving the kind of auxiliary elements of the radiation that seems to make them <laughs> terrified rather than like yeah. vicious, which is interesting. Um, so the the proposition that Rose is making here is that they will, they will bind Pose with like a built-in time limit, right? We'll bind you for... Uh, 60 hours and then we hand you over to conquest and then uh, you know that that uh, time bomb goes off and you're free and you can basically fuck with conquest to your heart's desire (laughs) um which is a nice little win-win for them and i think it's a pretty clever little idea uh that rose comes up with here yeah yeah it's another nice loophole through sort of what we talked about at the end of of the last episode um and and i love this bit as well where she's sort of like oh and we think it'll be easier for you to fuck with conquest because I'm planning other distractions as well. And Blake's like, oh my God, do you want to do this like with all three? With all three, And it's yeah. really like, when she's Blake gone realizes full that, Blake. It's just like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's such a fun strategy and it so perfectly fits into the, you know, obeying the letter of the, uh, of the, the agreement that they made with Conquest <laughs> while completely fucking with the spirit of it. Oh, and it's just a fucking nuts plan as well. Like, this is vintage yeah. Blake, uh, I, I would have yeah, said yeah. up until now. Yeah, it's just I'm, like, oh, nukes, <laughs> I'm going to point them all that way. This is the exact kind of plan that Blake would come up with on the spot. So it's weird that Rose has come up with this and they're planning it three days in advance. <laughs> um, so uh, Pose kind of wants time to consider this, so they agree. Let's come back this evening, we'll talk about it more. Yeah. And we'll 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 talk about it then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess I'll see the end of this. Interestingly, I don't think they actually got an agreement off of him that they'd be safe the next time they come back. Um, I guess Elliot, they, that's they... not how it works. <laughs> they uh, have to negotiate safety every single time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I guess considering how this last round went, maybe they're just not too afraid. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it's certainly you know they could have thought about it a bit more. I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the moral of this their lives in this story, I guess. Um, so, of course, they have to negotiate to be able to leave safely. They're still practitioners. That seems to happen every single time. Uh, so, so Rose basically big times Poo's telling him, hey, do you know who I am? And um, th- that he kn- that uh, she knows the names of some of his bosses, and uh, it-, it it works pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems to scare him enough that he's like, yeah, all right, you guys can leave, even without Blake's 
strange window smashing. Yeah, I mean, all that he really needed to do was just leave the circle. Uh, but then yeah. also, once he left the circle, he's like bombarded with this uh, crazy radiation, and oh, you know, he calls it radiation, but it's like this aura effect that that Poos has, where it's just you know bombarding you with. I, I like I don't even really fully understand it. I guess but... negative energy. I guess yeah, that like doesn't even a seem bad to aura. Cover it. Anyway, but yeah. so he smashes the window and, and sort of has a justification. I think this was one of the few times in the story where I've been like, oh, yeah, and that'll help with the dog in the back. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's um, a smart idea. I, like, I, I get what Blake's subconscious is thinking, but it's, yeah, all he, all he really needed to do was get out of the circle to prove the point. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, Blake kind of stands out of the circle, walks over and smashes the window. And it makes sense from his perspective, but thinking about this from what Paws is seeing, it's like... Okay, dude. <laughs> like he just kind of he takes a bit of a half step back as as the frost from from June the hatchet kind of reaches him, um, and you just get I don't know I, I'm just left with this impression of he's just kind of a bit dumbfounded yeah. at at what was happening here. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it was intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just so unnecessary. It's just a bit of a power play. What what I thought was kind of interesting as well is. So Rose obviously talks up the Thorburns a fair bit in this, you know, acting like they're really hot shit. And I'm kind of wondering how much of this is her, like, exaggerating or bluffing, or if the Thorburns... I I was kind of under the impression they're just, like, the regional Diabolists. Like, you know, probably if you Mm. went across Canada, you could find, like, 50 families like this or something. Like, I I don't know. Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, it is worth pointing out that uh, at, at the Toronto Council meeting... Obviously, the people there had heard of the Thorburns enough to to kind of guess at who uh, Rose and Blake were, or Blake specifically, I suppose. Um, so, so they're obviously known at least a fair amount. But, I mean, I, yeah. I guess, but but part of that as well is because they knew of a town with a circle and, and a coven, which you know, so mm. they're, they're obviously sort of familiar with the 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 Bahames and the Duchamps as well. So yeah, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I th- I guess I'm just wondering now how much Rose was exaggerating or how much I've underestimated the Thorburn line in particular. Maybe this is something Rose is more aware of than than Blake and, yeah. and thus the readers. Yeah, but, um, I, I it's mean, Powell's did didn't this worked right? So obviously, <laughs> if he didn't know the Thorburn line, you, you can imagine that this tactic wouldn't have worked very well. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it I, was just a bluff. Well, the other part of that is she's like saying she's going to call, you know, one of his superiors. And, she and says bath, and that's as far as we get. Yeah, which you know, like that could have been a bluff. Like if she'd actually called out that name, they were probably fucked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course, if they pulled out a name like that, they're totally fucked. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> she very much implies that if she did it, it'd just be like, oh, hey, mate, like it's me, Rose. Uh, hey, your bud. old friend, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I don't think that is what would have actually transpired. So yeah. that part of it was a bluff, I think. But it, yeah, it's it's just interesting to sort of see, <laughs> I guess, where the Thorburns might fit on a global power scale of diabolists. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I guess we'll see something to keep keep an eye on. <laughs> uh, so Pauz lets them leave, and they they head to catch a train towards the university. Yeah, just some study time, I guess. Yeah, um, and as he's leaving, Blake gets this chance to consider that he never wants to feel like that again, like, you know, being in the aura. Um, and then he also thinks, well, yep. I mean, it's kind of likely that I won't because I'll probably be dead very soon. So he's just... Very, very positive. <laughs> yeah, he's just in a real good place right now. Yeah, I mean, we kind of get the impression that, <laughs> or at least I got the impression that this is kind of, to an extent, the radiation from from Poe's 
acting on on him um we explicitly see it acting on somebody uh, as he's as he's kind of getting on the train a a uh a lady who has a dog in her hands this dog kind of starts freaking the hell out um and to the extent that it bites its owner um and Blake's kind of startled by this uh obviously <laughs> the radiation from from pals has stuck on him a bit um yeah and we and we see a lot more of this going forward um there's also an interesting moment where, as they're sort of heading towards the subway, Blake sort of mentions, oh, you know, we've got to stop talking soon because I don't want people to think, like, I'm crazy or to see yep. you. And Rose is just like, okay, well, quickly, before we stop talking, why did you hesitate before backing <laughs> me up? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, like, my stuff wasn't crazy. You wanted to deal with demons. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> it's It's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and then Rose, I mean, Rose doesn't not. respond. Like, yeah, I want to call that out as bullshit. But what, what, what I think is more interesting is we don't hear Rose's response and Blake is just sort of like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's because she realizes we're close to the subway and we shouldn't be talking anymore, which I think is very <laughs> <Charitable>. optimistic. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Rose has a point, but also take the win, you know? Um, yeah, well, I don't think take we the win, hear Rose. from Rose. Uh, oh, no, she she helps him out a bit as he's, as he's running for his... Well, power walking for his life through the university yep. but um yep. yeah like this this is not a conversation that's never going to come up again <laughs> i mean this is a conversation that has kind of consistently been coming up <laughs> throughout the story uh anyway so so they get on the train and um they arrive at the university and blake reveals he's kind of just shown up here with the hope of finding isadora yeah it's a it's a bit of a wild idea but it, it proves to be correct almost immediately as he finds her listed as Isadora Fixopolis, Professor of Ethics. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I had a good chuckle at her being a professor yep. of ethics. Um, and yeah, <laughs> just, just how brazenly she's just using, like, what's obviously a crazy name. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she really just doesn't seem to give a shit, which is something <laughs> I love about Isadora. Um, so, so Blake kind of heads to her office, but gets... Cut off, or not cut off, but he notices some people who've started following him. A, a group of guys and a group of girls kind of moving in, in kind of individual groups, but clearly focusing on him and following him. Yeah, and I, I, like, it, it becomes a bit more obvious to us than to Blake. Like, as the readers, we get all these clues that they're drinking, and I think it's, it, it's very quick to, for you to make that connection to Jeremy and his coterie. Um, whereas yeah. it, take, it takes Blake a bit more, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little intense. You know, he's got Rose sort of scouting out for him, trying to figure out like ways to keep avoiding them and trying to figure out who the hell they are. Yeah. He, he sends, he sends Rose off to check them out and we get this weird little exchange that I want to read out here. So Blake notices that Rose is saying like a lot twice that I remember in the last minute. Am I? I am. Fuck. Rose said, what's wrong with me? Try to hold off regressing to your hormonal teenage years, I said, because I'm pretty sure they're closing the distance. This is... <laughs> I mean, when I was reading this chapter, this just feels so out of place. It, it's so weird, and I, I don't know what it's... Like, it's a funny little beat, but I don't know what it's trying to set up. I'm curious what you think, Elliot. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it takes up just enough space in the in the chapter that it sort of forces you to think about it, which makes you sort of think, oh, this is like a bit of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where if it was just like one line, it would be one of those things where when you're rereading, you're like, oh, I missed this hint. Uh, this is long enough that I think it's hard to miss. And you just sort of left here being like, huh. 
<laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, uh, like, obviously I have my whole theory about Blake and Rose and their personalities, and I, I don't really, mm. uh, merging, and I don't really know if this fits into that. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite make sense in that framing, because we don't know that Blake says like a lot, does he? <laughs> no, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and then, like, and then I was wondering if it was the, the radiation, because we see it sort of affects Tiffany a bit soon. Uh, mm. But it doesn't really seem like that either. So currently, all I'm thinking is it's actually something a lot more benign than that. It's just like Rose. I'm pretty sure Rosa said that she was attending university um, mm-hmm. when she got mirrified, and uh, like I, I'm now just wondering: is this the uni she went to, and maybe she's just going through a bit of revertigo? Um, mm. Like it could just be yeah. something as as simple as that. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I'll be interested to see if this is a thing because it feels like it is. Well, I guess we'll put a pin in that until later. Um, <laughs> so the the harem is following Blake, and he kind of is is power walking away when he bumps into Tiffany, um, Alexis's friend, the proposed threesome third member uh, from from the party. Um, and he kind of realizes he can't stop and chat to her, so he kind of is like, "Hey, let's walk and talk," and they just start <laughs> power walking and talking together, which is weird and great i love it <laughs> yeah it's it's hilarious and um i love how like her entrance is is done in the in the writing as well uh like blake's trying to figure out how to escape and then there's just this no uh as its own paragraph <laughs> and you're like yeah. oh man is he surrounded oh, or like no, what is happened? it it's like it, yeah and it's even worse it's it's tiffany um which yeah. again i like this this could be one of those little karma fuckery things i don't really know i was know. just about to say that <laughs> this is the exact kind of thing that feels like karma is just fucking with blake in <laughs> ways that aren't really noticeable but just enough of an inconvenience yeah it's it's great how tense this power walking chase is which i think is a, a sentence that is completely new to the universe um this group is like gaining on blake slowly and all he's really able to do is kind of power walk and chit chat to tiffany which is so bizarre yeah and i mean because it's just you can just imagine she's got to be thinking like what the fuck's going on because blake is, is probably looking tense as hell and he's just power walking really fast and you know she's just she really wants the b so she mm-hmm. she kind of goes along with nice. it but um <laughs> that you know it just sorts of just so sort of, they just sort of float a bit but like you could yeah. just picture it must just look so funny because he's trying to have this casual conversation while he's power walking like a maniac yeah yeah there are so many things happening in the scene there's the kind of relationship building of, of <laughs> tiffany and blake or bliffany as as i call them uh, and then there's the the weird power walking tension, and then there's the whole thing where Tiffany's asking him questions, and he can't obviously tell he can't tell the truth because it's crazy, and he also mm. can't lie because he's a practitioner. So there's all these weird kind of layers to this scene that makes it so fun. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, all good things must end because Blake reaches the ethics building and and kind of heads to Isadora's office at the same time that the harem catch up to him, and they surround him and Tiffany. Um, and it seems to be going really badly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're just creeping on him and Tiffany, and y- yeah, they're clearly they've clearly got the upper hand. Yeah, and they're, they're kind of playing they're playing the part of the you know the the college students, but very very aggressively. Yes. I would say I would say very uh, menacing undertones, but I wouldn't. I don't even know if undertone is the right word here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not that under. Mm. I like this bit as well. Just before they get to Isadora's building, 
where Tiffany just sort of stops because she finally hits that point where she's like, look, you're clearly like in a rush. I must be keeping you. And then Blake sort of sees them start to head towards her a bit. And so he just like shouts out like coffee um, and then follows, <laughs> follows it up with a coherent sentence. But you can just yeah. picture Tiffany sort of picturing this as like a bit of a like rom-com moment where he's all awkward because <laughs> yeah, he's real nervous. Cute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except like he's awkward because he's worried she's going to die, not because yeah. because of like he has feelings for her. It's it's hilarious. Um, and then there's another line about how she freezes like a deer in the headlights, which again I might be reaching, but it feels like you know we're getting that like prey thing. You know she freezes mm. up. She's been around Blake, and he's sort of giving off um you know powers radiation so yeah yeah i wonder how aggressive the harem would be without blake's radiation i wonder if that's a contributing factor here um no i i very much got the impression that's just them they they spotted him very easily because of it it, but yeah it seems weird though that they're just kind of out and about and you know this scene is about to go very badly you really get the impression that they're gonna fuck Blake up right there (laughs) like yeah they might be right out in the open they might be pushing it further because of the radiation um yeah yeah it's a little unclear I guess um so I kind of had the same impression as you when I first read this chapter I think which is you know that he's right outside Isadora's office you kind of expect that Isadora is going to sweep in and save the day but she doesn't um which is fun uh (laughs) Rose breaks a window and that kind of makes enough of a distraction for for the for the harem that Blake's able to kind of sweep Tiffany into Isadora's office quickly before anything happens. Um, yeah. Is Isadora's in there and greets them and then kind of steps outside and just scolds the harem in a really fun way. So uh, yay, Rose did a good thing, but like mm-hmm. it's not good, right? When she breaks the windows and the yeah, mirrors. Yeah, it hasn't it- it's obviously drained her a lot every time it's happened so far. I don't think we hear from her again for the rest of this chapter. Uh, and yep. Blake doesn't even seem to sort of process any of that. I think he, he does call out at one point that it was probably Rose who broke the, the windows. Yep. Um, yep. But, you know, there's no, oh, I hope she's okay or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who knows what's going on with Rose? You know, we don't see her at all the whole second half of this chapter. Um, yeah. So you can only assume that she's not happy about how some stuff went down earlier today. Um, I think I really like it, how uh, Isadora heads outside to scold the harem and Blake kind of just eavesdrops on it from through the door. And you just get this weird scene of Isadora basically being a teacher and telling off the harem in a really funny way. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, it works great because you know that she's powerful and like could beat them down if she wanted to, but... It, it, you know, she does it all as if they're college students and they respond as if they're college <laughs> students. It's, it it yeah. works on both levels. And, and you know, yeah. b- back when the harem had Blake cornered, there was some good sort of double speak from both teams under the guys. But this is much more like both of them playing the same sort of roles and, and it just works on both levels. It's great. Yeah. It's a really fun little double speak segment. So, yeah, I think it's a fun... It's, it's worth pointing out as well that... Um, Blake put his arm around Tiffany, and he even calls out, like, I'm not a physical person, as he does this. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good sign for the Bliffany shippers. I think <laughs> Bliffany is sailing strong. Especially given how she responds to it. Um, yeah. Wait, she's um, sort of, a bit later, she's <laughs> like, yeah, that was one of the most all right things about that whole situation. 
which I think is is a high praise. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it. Um, so Isadora comes back in and basically says to Blake, "Hey, I know what you, why you're here. I'm not interested in a mutiny. Sorry, see you later." <laughs> like she's so unkeen. Well, so I actually didn't get the impression that she said she's not keen on a mutiny. She's just specifically not keen on doing anything with Blake. Like mm. uh, she could be doing her own mutiny. Uh, it's just, that one lives alongside whatever Blake's gonna do, because, like, fuck him, I guess. Um, yeah. the, the implication of this being that if she does have a mutiny and she comes out on top, things aren't really gonna get better for Blake, because she just, mm. she expresses similar sort of, uh, rhetoric to what we saw from the Bry Girl, which is, fuck you, you're a diabolist, and, like, you've been tainted by it. Um. Yeah. And there's very much a yeah. sense of, not, not just by, like, Pooza's radiation, but almost a sense of like his bloodline is tainted, and and you know yeah. it's, there's sort of interesting implications there. But yeah, yeah, basically he wouldn't ever want to associate with a Thorburn, I suppose. Uh, she. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an improvement in the sense that one, she hasn't chained him up and is trying to extract knowledge from him, and two, she's not explicitly telling him, "Hey, you're going to be dead in a few weeks." So. <laughs> I guess that's an ally. It's, it's kind of the closest thing to a practitioner ally that Blake has got since uh, Maggie, at least. Oh, it puts her in the top 20% of his uh, acquaintances, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so F- Tiffany doesn't react well to this and, and drops the B word a few times. To Isadora's face as well. I'm kind of surprised that, that Tiffany gets out of this unscathed. But um, Yeah, well, Isadora is pretty chill about the whole thing, but you sort of get the impression, like, she implies that it's the radiation, and it's almost like she yeah. doesn't hold it against Tiffany because it's the radiation, yeah. which is nice of her. How, how kind. Yeah, Isadora is turning out to be quite a nice character for someone who basically immediately tried to trap and kill Blake. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the chapter ends with Blake kind of looking forward to this coffee that he promised to Tiffany. Um, yeah, Bliffany OTP. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it does sort of end on this whole trail of thought by Blake about how they actually are kind of a good match, and he's decided he is genuinely interested in this coffee. Like, you know, the yeah. the origin of the idea was to save her life, but now he's actually like, I think this is a good idea, though. Um, yeah. And, you know, his last quick coffee trip at the end of a chapter yeah. went pretty well, right? Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, last time, yeah, last time coffee was the cliffhanger, that next chapter worked out so well, so I'm sure it'll happen this time, too. Uh, yeah. But that's, if we want to find out, we'll have to wait until Collateral 4.6, because that's the end of this chapter. Yeah. Um, and so for our bonus bit this week, uh, we're going to do a quick monster corner on the Sphinx, because that's what Isadora mm. is. Yeah. So what's the Sphinx, Elliot? Hit me with it. <laughs> so like generally, you know, a Sphinx is the head of a human and then like the body of a lion. Um, and they're pretty much all over like Africa, Europe and Asia. Um, which mm. kind of makes sense because those are the sorts of cultures that could have experienced lions. Um, mm. But yeah, so the Sphinx seems to have originated like in Egypt with a male head and a male lion's body. Um, interestingly- <laughs> Why does it have to be a male lion's body, I wonder? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of bringing that up because it changes in different cultures and it's just like an odd thing that, that people seem to have noticed. But uh, in Egypt, it was male. Um, mm. and what what's weird was I couldn't really find many details on what the Sphinx actually was in Egyptian mythology, like because mm. it must have been some sort of big deal because they built like that giant Sphinx in Giza, and and there are other Sphinxes all over Egypt, 
Um, but there doesn't really seem to be, you know, there's not all these legends about what sphinxes did in Egyptian mm. mythology. It, but generally it was sort of associated with, like, protection and they were placed outside temples to ward off, like, yeah, bad shit. I, I, from all the impressions that I get of, of sphinxes, they do feel like kind of guardian figures. Yeah. Um, warding, for sure, but then there's, you know, when we get to some other representations of sphinxes later, it's like, hey... Here's a riddle, and if you pass this riddle, you can get through to the treasure or whatever it is that, that I'm guarding. Yeah, well, so the riddle stuff is Greek, and it's interesting because the Greeks seem to have a very different idea. So all of their, like, Egyptians and then, like, the Persians and most of the Asian cultures that had sphinxes, um, like, like, a lot of what you see in uh, like, what's in modern India and what's in Thailand, they, they all have sphinxes, and they're all associated with guardians. So these are the ones. They build statues mm. outside temples, and it keeps out the bad shit. Um, but yeah, so you brought up the riddles, and that's a Greek thing. And the Greeks had a totally different idea of sphinxes. So first of all, they made them female, which is something most of the other cultures didn't really do. Uh, and yep. in particular, the Greek the Greeks had a view of there was like a single sphinx called Phix, which of course Phix was the father of Isidora in Pact. And this yep. Yep. Phix was this sphinx that gave the travelers the riddles and killed them off. Um, but it was very much not a protective uh deal like the sphinx interesting in in greece um i think in most versions of the mythology was set there and it was like the the land of uh theseus i think it was is like covered in plagues and and has famine until someone can defeat the sphinx so it's a, the greeks oh. took a very antagonistic view Shit. towards the sphinx <laughs> yeah. uh compared to so everyone it's like else. an ill omen like a bringer of yeah tragedy basically in particular like you know the the greek mythology often celebrates the rise of the olympians uh, like you know when when zeus and stuff took over power from um the titans like Kronos, and mm. the the sphinx's death is actually sort of seen as like a big important part of that transition um to to the olympians taking over power like once the sphinx was out of the way um mm. so yeah the greeks really didn't like the sphinx and and i'm getting this this impression that, in a way, like Isadora being the daughter of the Greek one is very much tying her to that Greek interpretation because, you know, she was asking the questions and trying to kill him. So she's seems to gravitate a lot more towards <laughs> that end of the spectrum. Yeah. You know what is interesting to me? This is only tangentially Sphinx related, but I'm realizing it now. We've got uh, Jeremy, who obviously is a follower of Dionysus, Greek god. And now we've got the Sphinx, obviously the Greek version, obviously a Greek Sphinx. Um, yeah, and and we also know uh, uh, the astrologer is someone else in kind of co- in the Toronto area, and obviously Greeks were pretty into that that whole kind of thing, like astronomy, astrology. Well, I mean, definitely, Gre- like Greco-Roman mythology is still very big in Western culture, at least. Not not like that people genuinely believe it, but it, it influences yeah. a lot of our pop culture and art, uh, and that yeah. seems to very much be the case in Toronto. You're right. It seems like we've gone from Jacob's Bell, which kind of had this like american witchcraft vibe right yeah Um, yeah and now we've come into something that's you know obviously still similar but very rooted in greek mythology something i hadn't really noticed until we dove more into the sphinx stuff i wonder yeah interesting interesting yeah anyway so that's it on i wonder if we'll see any more greek greek inspired practitioners oh i'm sure we will (laughs) the knights of the (laughs) what is it the knights of the basement the knights of the basement (laughs) who knows what they'll be (laughs) um Anyway, that's that's the end of the of, power uh, of D and D culture for now. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much has D and D culture been influenced by Greek culture? Probably not that much, but maybe we'll find out when, once we meet the Knights of the Basement. Um, 
Anyway, that's that's the end of our discussion on Collateral 4.5 for now. If you enjoyed the show and you want to talk about some of these weird Greek connections with us, you should head to the discussion threads that we do for every episode, and you can find that in the link to the show notes down below. Uh, yes, you can also check out our website, doofmedia.com, which has you know all this information on yep. our show and stuff. Yep, uh, from doofmedia.com you can find the Doof Patreon, which is where you can support us, help us keep making this great show. Uh, that is patreon.com slash doofmedia. Yes, and while you're there, don't forget to stop by Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo, because he writes really good stories like Ward right now, and it's really good, and he needs to keep writing it, so stop by. If you want to support Doof Media or Wildbo, but you don't have enough cash to spare, that's okay. You can also help us by reviewing us on iTunes, and I mean Dylan, you specifically. I know you're listening, Dylan. Review us on iTunes. Thank you. <laughs> I wonder if that'll work. <laughs> There's got to Sun- be some Dylans in our listeners, right? We'll suddenly get flooded by reviews from Dylans. <laughs> and uh, until then, we'll have to see you in the discussion thread, because the next episode will be coming out on Monday, the 18th of March, and that will be our Collateral 4.6. So we will see you then. See ya. Bye.